morning's reading was taken from Mark 5, verses 21 to 32. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Neil. Morning, everyone. God of miracles, come. Holy Spirit, would you come and grace us with your presence. And may I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as uh, James mentioned earlier, over the next few weeks, we are going to be carrying out this sermon series. And that's going to focus on some of the miracles that Jesus carried out. And each sermon will have a different theme And this morning's theme is called, Why Do Miracles Happen? So why do miracles happen? Well, first of all, miracles that Jesus carried out demonstrate his deity. They demonstrate that he is God, that he is the Son of God. And in the book of the prophet Isaiah, there are several verses which speak of the miracles that Jesus carried out. And the verses speak of the blind being made to see and the deaf being made to hear. And it speaks of the lame jumping for joy and Jesus as being the bringer of good news to the poor and the oppressed. And Jesus demonstrates his deity through the healing of many people. And then his disciples gasp as Jesus calms the storm and the disciples say, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And he displays his... Hello? 
You still with me? And he displays his power over life and death itself as he brings back to life his friend Lazarus and the daughter of Jairus, the synagogue leader. And then, of course, the ultimate expression and manifestation that he truly is God through his own resurrection from the dead. And the miracles of Jesus show the presence of the kingdom of God throughout his ministry, throughout his teachings. And through the miracles, we see the hearts and minds of people transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment on earth of God's will. And of course, Jesus carried out miracles because of his compassionate love for people. In a broken and hostile world, Jesus has this natural propensity to heal, to restore, to reconcile, and to forgive. The theologian Dane Ortland puts it this way. He says, when Jesus sees the fallenness of the world all around him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering and not to move away. So the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ was one of giving back to undeserving sinners and restoring their humanity. We often think of the miracles, don't we, within the Gospels as some sort of um, interruption of the natural order of things. And there's this theologian, a fellow called Jürgen Moltmann, and he says, no, that is not the case. The miracles are not an interruption of the natural order, but they are the restoration of the natural order. Because we get so used to sickness and pain and sin and death that sometimes it always feel it almost feels that those things are natural. But when in fact that it is those things that are the interruption. And Maltman says this that Jesus healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They are the only truly natural thing in a world that is unnatural. So in other words, in a world of suffering, it's the compassionate and loving desire of Jesus to reach out to those that are hurt and afflicted, to bring healing and restoration and we see this through Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. And it's demonstrated through his love for us today. We remember the testimony written in the book of Hebrews that exclaims, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. In our reading today, we read of one such miracle that shows Jesus' love for an individual person. But first, let me just ask you a question. 
I wonder if you've ever had an experience in your life where you just felt invisible. I don't mean in a literal sense, of course. But a time when you felt that you weren't valued as a person. And in fact, no one really cared about you. And maybe you felt completely left out and lonely and isolated. And it may be that, I don't know, that experience lasted for a short time, maybe an hour or a day. Or perhaps it was a more prolonged experience that actually went on for a longer time. Just wanted to share with you a, a, a short personal experience that was a bit like that for me. When I was um, age 25, uh, I was sort of at this point where I was fairly new to the Christian faith, and I just had some sense of calling into some kind of ministry, and I wasn't sure what that ministry was, so I'd started to investigate it. And one of the things I'd started to investigate was being a missionary, would you believe? And so um, our vicar at the time had arranged for me to meet with the secretary of the Church Missionary Society. And in order to meet with him, he was attending this three-day conference of the Anglican Evangelical Society. And they were gathering together to discuss um, the topic of hermeneutics. And they had um, a, a professor who was leading the conference, a fellow called Dr. Jim Packer. And the study of hermeneutics is the study of the Bible taking into consideration its time scale, its historical and its contextual setting. And it can really get quite heavy going theological stuff, you know. And as usually happens with conferences, um, the, the guy at the front gave the talk and then we went into small groups and so I, I was sent in with one of these small groups and there were eight of us so there's me um, there were two bishops and the rest of the people were sort of really high profile um, men, vicars this was before the time when women were ordained and we, we sat down in this group and they started to talk about hermeneutics. And after about half an hour, I was totally bewildered and completely lost. I had no idea what they were talking about and just felt completely out of it, out of my depth. And I sort of hesitantly went, can I just ask you a question? And I said, I wonder if you speak like this to your congregation. <laughs> and I said, because if, if you do, I wonder if you've got a communication issue. Because I'm just a working lad and I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. And there was this sort of embarrassing silence for several seconds. And then they just carried on with the debate. And, you know, so literally talk about feeling invisible. 
That was my experience. But fortunately, it, it only lasted for an hour or so. But here's the thing, quite a lot later, I still remember that somehow. So even though it wasn't a massive thing, it's still there, you know? And those times when we feel sort of invisible, invisible and undervalued, that can have a real impact on us, can't it? Well, in our reading today, we read about a woman who was living just such an experience. And this woman had a condition that caused her to bleed. And she had this con- she had, had this condition for years, and her health was deteriorating. But unfortunately for this woman, the nature of her condition meant that she was also subject to many of the rules and rituals of um, the, the ruling authorities. So what it meant was that this woman was regarded as being ritually unclean. And that was on a permanent basis because her condition was permanent. And because of this, she would have been marginalized in her community and people would have avoided her. And there was also this line of theological thinking that said because she had a condition like this, that it, she had committed some sort of, of sin maybe in her past. And this condition was a result of that sin. And this, of course, would marginalize her even more. How great must have been her sense of isolation. But there was this one group of people, um, however, who were interested in her. The Bible tells us that the woman had spent all of her money, all of her life savings, on these consultations with various doctors and healings. However, none of the treatments and remedies had been successful. And in fact, the woman's condition continued to deteriorate and had worsened. And so in this state of desperation, she hears of this man, a new healer, who was going around the towns and the villages, healing people and speaking the word of God, proclaiming the word of God, and carrying out these various signs and wonders. Now, we don't know if the woman had been in attendance on any of the other occasions when Jesus had performed healings. Um, But what we do know is that on this particular day, she was probably following him in the crowd from a distance. And then there was this time where Jesus had carried out lots of miracles. And it was the time when the whole community was really excited what was going on. Jesus had driven demons out of people. He'd performed healings and people had seen this. And so because of this, there was very often large amounts of people wandering about following Jesus. And on this day, we're told there was a large crowd following him and he was being buffeted by the crowd. And then suddenly, amidst all of that excitement, there's this extra commotion. And the commotion was caused because suddenly the leader of the synagogue appeared and he fell down on his knees before Jesus and he says, Jesus, 
my daughter is desperately ill. Would you come and heal my daughter? And the Bible says that he was begging Jesus. Now, the leader of the synagogue, his name was Jairus. And, of course, Jairus would, hold, would have held this high position, this position of high status in the society. And Jesus agreed to walk with him towards his house. Now, the woman who had the bleeding condition thought to herself, maybe, just maybe, if I could just reach out and touch his cloak, then maybe I too. So bear in mind the context of this. See if you can picture this. There's this large, excited crowd, and they're all pushing and shoving. And this is enhanced further by the leader of the synagogue and the request that he made to Jesus. But this woman is determined. She's been ill for a long time. And she manages to reach out and touch Jesus' cloak. And what, what we may say today is, boom. The Bible says immediately, the woman was healed. Immediately she knew in her body that she was healed. And then Jesus suddenly stops and he says, who touched me? And the disciples are going, Lord, there's a great big crowd here. There's loads of people wandering about and bumping into you and all sorts. What do you mean who touched you? And Jesus repeats, who touched me? And this woman, probably terrified and uncertain, comes before Jesus, trembling. And she begins to share with him her story and her plight. And Jesus takes the time to listen to her story and to love her. And then he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You are healed of your disease. Within the hustle and bustle of a large crowd, bearing in mind as well the request of this synagogue leader, and knowing that this woman was classified as being unclean ritually, Jesus heals and ministers to this woman. I wonder if you've ever felt that you weren't important enough to be loved and ministered to by Jesus. I wonder if you've ever somehow felt that somehow you weren't good enough to be loved by Jesus. And maybe you felt just like the woman, isolated or alone in some way. Well, my prayer is that this story of the miracle, my prayer is that that speaks to you. And because Jesus loves you and 
you matter to him. In the Gospels, Jesus himself offered this invitation. He said, come to me if you are struggling. Come to me if you are burdened and heavy laden. And I will bring you my peace. Friends, never be afraid to reach out to Jesus. Because he longs to bless you. You matter to Jesus. He's chosen you. He knows you. And he loves you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Um, we're going to respond um, to the words that Tim's uh, spoken to this morning by um, inviting the Holy Spirit to come and being still before God. So do you want to stand with me as we do that? And then we're going to um, lead into worship this morning. So feel free to um, do whatever it is that you do, whether you move your body into a particular position or you just stand still to signal to God um, that you're open and you want to meet with him this morning. Uh, Jesus, we pray really simply this morning that your Holy Spirit would come. fillers afresh today. And Holy Spirit, as you come, would you fill us not just with your gifts, but with the fruit of your spirit as well. Jesus, would you fill us with your love? God, we thank you for the reminder that Tim's brought to us this morning that um, miracles demonstrate that you are Lord, that you're King. As the Holy Spirit, as we wait on you and ask you to fill us today, would you Remind us and demonstrate to us that you're the one, that's the Lord, that you're the one that's the King. That all of creation bends the knee before you and that you hold it and you hold us in the palm of your hand. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us today? Amen. Thank you.